You are listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us in person on Saturdays at 4.30 p.m. or virtually through Zoom or Facebook on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us at www.cumcballston.org. There you can learn more about our congregation and how we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. The scripture today is Matthew 6, 5 through 15 from the Common English Bible. When you pray, don't be like hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners so that people will see them. I assure you that's the only reward you'll get. They'll get, I'm sorry. But when you pray, go to your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is present in that secret place. Your Father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't pour out a flood of empty words as the Gentiles do. They think that by saying many words, they'll be heard. Don't be like them because your Father knows what you need before you ask. Pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom so that your will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us for the ways we have wronged you, just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. And don't lead us into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others, neither will your Father forgive you. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us be in the spirit of prayer with a moment of silent thought. Father, we know that you are the creator of all and that you have blessed us in many ways. We humbly ask that you might bless us by giving peace to the world and peace within our various diverse communities. We ask that you guide our leaders and those of others who seek peace and justice. Help us all to recognize we share a common humanity and are equal in your eyes. Help us to end divisive hatred We know it is through your grace that we enjoy our many gifts. Guide us that we might use them wisely. Let all of our success show your love and your glory. And now, as we join together, we call you as our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now is a time when
was like, all right, Gene's going to preach for me. <laughs> I love how worship can be just so tire, entirely flexible, and God is like, all right, that's great. So, but actually it was good that we had the Lord's Prayer, that you all have prayed the Lord's Prayer, because now we're going to go into a sermon about the Lord's Prayer. And first, I would like to also for you to pray with me as I pray. Oh, holy, holy God, Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We thank you for the beautiful weather you have blessed us with. And we thank you for the rain that is to come. Lord, we ask that as we are here in your house, that we may experience you in a way that we've never experienced you before. Enrich our hearts and minds. Lord, we thank you for the word that was read, and we ask that the word that is proclaimed, the words that you have given me, that they are received so that we may go from this place and be transformed. Amen. Well, this morning, I want to share with you um, part one of a sermon series that I am starting at Cherrydale, started last week. So unlike um, Jean teases me, says that this is our practice, you all are my refined group. So I've done this already in Cherrydale. And so I'm hoping, though, that through this process, each one of us can get to know God in a deeper way. And as we experience the Lord's Prayer and the meaning that Jesus has for us through this prayer, because he has taught us to pray. Now, the Lord's Prayer is something that every person, I imagine, has heard of or they've seen it before. In fact, I think it would be very difficult to find someone who's never heard of it or seen it before. Now, I want to repeat those words to you that we've just prayed, that we read read a moment ago. And hear these words. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we have forgiven those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now, children memorize it. Parishioners recite it. Students study it. But I want to challenge us to do something different, says Max Lucado. I want us to live into it, to view it as a floor plan for our spiritual life. Because in these verses, Christ has provided more than a model for prayer. He has provided a model for living. Like Max, I too want us to understand the Lord's Prayer in a deeper way. I want the Lord's Prayer to come alive for each one of us. And I will pray that it enriches us to a point that prayer becomes our number one priority. I mean, after all, when you really get down to it, there's nothing more significant than prayer in the life of a church. In fact, Max Lucado even states, there's much you can do before you've prayed, but there's really nothing you can do until you've prayed. So let's begin. In Luke chapter 11, After Jesus has spent much time praying, one of his disciples comes to him and says, Lord, teach us to pray. Now think about this. The disciples had been with him for two years. They had a front seat when he taught and when he preached. 
They watched him do miracles. Yet as far as we know, they've never taken the time to say, Lord, teach us to preach. Or, Lord, teach us how to minister to people. But they did come and make the request, Lord, teach us to pray. Prayer was central to Jesus' ministry. And so he wanted it to be important and critical to theirs as well. Matthew 6, 9 states this. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Today, we're going to focus on Father. When you hear God described as Father, what are the characteristics, the words, and the images that you conjure up? Just think about that for a moment. Father. When I think of that word, I immediately think of the parable of the prodigal son. He left his family, he swindles the inheritance, and he leaves his father and his brother, and he goes and lives on his own, right? He has exhausted every way, every effort to survive. And so he comes now, if you remember the story, he has now returned. But all he offers his family is this rehearsed apology. And I can imagine him coming down off of the hill, apologizing, Father, I have sinned against God and I have sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And he's thinking, how am I going to say this? Father, I have sinned against God and I have sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And then if you remember, remember, the father runs toward the son. The son feels entirely unworthy of his birthright. He's content to be a hired hand. But there's only one problem. Though the boy is willing to stop being a son, we see from the love of the father that the father is not nor ever will be willing to not be the father. I mean, we all know that story. We know that immediately the father calls for his best clothes, his ring. He calls to kill the fatted calf. He says, my son who was killed is here. Let us celebrate. This must have stunned the son. I mean, he thought that he had lost his place in the family. You know, the child may be out of the house, but he was never, ever out of the father's heart. Don't miss the message here. Our God still loves us like that. Our God wants us to have a relationship with him, an intimate one, so that we can call him Father. Father, so that we long to call him that. Now, we need to remember that even if you are willing to stop being God's child, God is not willing to stop being your father. As I told the children a moment ago, in the Bible we see many, many names used for God. But interestingly, that all, out of all the names, father is the one that Jesus prefers. We know this because it is used the most. 
While on earth, Jesus called God Father over 200 times. So it's appropriate that Jesus taught us to pray, beginning our Father in heaven. See, there's, there's this intimacy there. Although using the Father is commonplace for us, it was revolutionary for Jesus. In the Old Testament, the people of God didn't individually address God. They certainly didn't address him as father. In fact, the word father for God was rarely used. And when it was, it referred to the relationship of God and the nation of Israel. There's no record of any of the Old Testament saints, Abraham, Joseph, Moses, David, Daniel, None of them addressed God as Father. Yet in the New Testament, we are instructed 275 times to address God that way. Now, not everyone can call God Father. See, it is Jesus that guarantees that we can be in a relationship with God. And we become a member of God's family. God is our father, and we are his children. It's actually a wonderful privilege to be able to call God father. A privilege, I'm afraid, that we take for granted. See, it is indeed a privilege to have a God that loves us so much. What a wonderful God to be in a relationship with. See, our God is ready to be inconvenienced when one of his children is in need. He doesn't have other priorities. He doesn't make excuses. And here he is teaching us to pray, teaching us to ask for our needs. But you know what? The effectiveness of our prayer is not based on how many times we pray. It is... all about a relationship. It's not the words we use. It is the relationship that we have. God is our Father. And that's why he wants us to come to him in prayer. Our Father, who is in heaven. His heavenly vantage point is a reminder that he views things from higher up. You know, I like to think about people who cross-stitch. I know maybe it's a dying art, but way back in the day, I used to do that. Um, And when you cross-stitch, unless you're really, really good, it looks different on the top than on the back, right? Usually on the back, we've got knots and strings, and it just doesn't look good. But the heavenly vantage point, God sees the good. And we're the ones that see all the struggles and deal with that. But we need to remember, God looks above, And see, all too often, we need to be reminded that our Father is better and bigger than any of our plans, because God is sovereign. And this should give us this sense of awe. Amazing, though, when we think about two words, God is. God just is, right? Seriously, God is. 
I wish they had a bumper sticker that said that. God is. Our God is a God of all power, of all might, of all authority. He's always present, and he knows us better than we know ourselves. So we should revere him with awe. He is our father, so, so there's this intimacy there. Yet he is sovereign, so we should be in awe. There's this tension that the Bible keeps between intimacy and awe. Now, Hebrews 4.16 states, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, the very fact that we can come to the throne at all should fill us with humility and awe. And it's precisely because it is the throne of grace that it is approachable. See, the sovereign almighty God, God of the universe, has allowed us, because of Jesus Christ, to approach him in prayer, to address him as Father. Lord, teach us to pray, the disciples asked. With generations later, we can still ask that same question. Prayer is something so simple Yet it is so difficult at the same time. Do we know how to pray? Do we have a relationship with God that allows us to just spill out our feelings, our thoughts, and our dreams? That allows us to hear what the Father has to say? Or do we feel that God is too holy to be bothered? I wonder, do we know how to pray? Does the holiness of God's name impact our prayer life at all? I want you to take a moment just to bask in the knowledge that our God, the God that we come to worship this morning, is the creator of the universe. Yet, he is our father. And even though he is God, he is near. He is not a God who has created us and left us to do our own thing. God is right beside us. Through our grief, our trials, our temptations, our celebrations, our joys. Our God may be the creator of all things. He may be all-powerful and always present. And sometimes he might even be hard to comprehend. But through Jesus Christ, we, each and every one of us, are brought into this intimate relationship with him. And we are therefore given permission to call him Father. It's all about relationship. Because if Jesus Christ is in your heart, then you have an open invitation to the family of Christ. What an awesome privilege. 
to know that we have been adopted into the family of Christ. Each of us say, I have been adopted into the family of Christ. You have been adopted into the family of Christ. The greatest thing is, even though this is a privilege, there is room for all. Each and every person is invited to the family reunion. And all you have to do is show your heart at the door. Welcome to the family of Christ. Amen.